Hello, and welcome to the Holistic Money Podcast. I'm your host, certified financial planner and money mindset coach, Whitney Morrison. Over the past seven years, I've taken myself from credit card debt and no savings to a seven-figure net worth. I did this without a budget or a restrictive money plan, but instead, smart, sustainable wealth-building strategies combined with changing my relationship with money. In this podcast, you'll learn the ins and outs of my no-budget philosophy, practical wealth-building strategies, and key mindset shifts to make it happen. There is no shortage of information out there to tell you what to do with money, but teaching you how to think and feel about money, that's my secret sauce. If you've been waiting for a podcast that gives you actionable strategies to not only build wealth, but also feel really good while you're doing it, then you're in the right place. Let's get started. Hello, and welcome back to the Holistic Money Podcast. Y'all, this is my favorite time of year. I am located in Wimberley, Texas, which is an hour south of Austin, and we have six to eight weeks of the year where the weather is just phenomenal. And we are in those six to eight weeks right now. All of my trees are blooming. Flowers are blooming. I have this flower garden where I've planted a bunch of wildflowers and they're starting to come up. It's so lovely and it just brings me so much joy. In my office, there's actually a window right here that I look out of and I have this little duck pond. It's nothing fancy, but I get to watch my ducks waddle over and watch them swim. And there's a lot of birds outside. I have bird baths and there's butterflies. So I am just eating this up because y'all know if you live in Texas, you got to enjoy this because in three to four weeks, it's going to be a sauna. It is going to be a freaking sauna and it's going to be miserable and everyone's going to be mad. That's how I handle the heat. I don't know about y'all. But for those of you that don't live in Texas and you haven't started to hit this wonderful weather season just yet, I know my husband's family, they live in Nova Scotia and it's still rainy and cold there. I have a really good friend. She's out in Denver. It's just now starting to get into the 60s and 70s. So if you just haven't hit that beautiful weather season just yet, I just want you to hang on because I know it's coming your way. But I'm just loving it here and just something to celebrate. It's the small things in life. Okay, so what are we actually talking about today? I'm going to talk to you all about the six accounts that everyone needs. Now, for those of you that already use a multiple account structure, you're going to hear me say the six accounts and you're going to be excited. You're like, ooh, yeah, tell me these six accounts. I can't wait to hear it. For those of you that have one checking account and one savings account and you don't have any other accounts, you're thinking to yourself, this sounds like a lot of work. Why do I have to do this? Why do I have multiple accounts? And I hear that with some people that I start to introduce this kind of structure to. And before I get into telling you about the six accounts that you need, I first want to tell you why a multiple account structure is going to save you so much time and energy with your money, going to help you stay organized. And most importantly, it's going to give you longevity in your money management practices. And what I mean by that is what I tend to find for those of you that have your one checking account and one savings account, I'm just going to tell you, you drive me crazy because I don't know how you do that. I don't know how you effectively manage your money that way unless you are using a money management app, you're using like a budgeting app, you're using like YNAB or Mint, or you are using spreadsheets to manually reconcile your accounts every single month. Then in my brain, I'm like, okay, you can see how you're able to manage your money this way. However, what I find with budgeting apps is that they're constantly miscategorizing my expenses 
in the budgeting app, so the data is never right. So I have to go back through every single month and recategorize whether that transaction was really a gas station transaction or a grocery store transaction, or if that transfer was actually an income or bills paid. And I don't know about y'all, but I don't have time for that. I do it like one time and then I'm like, yep, I'm done. And then I just don't manage my money anymore. So that's what I really love about the multiple account structure is it takes away the need to use technology and like correct technology. You can just make these accounts specific categories. And I'm going to teach you how to do this very simply and very easily. Then you only have to check in on these six accounts to help you effectively manage your money. So no more spreadsheets, no more budgeting apps, no more Mint. You don't have to do that. I am going to break down what I consider to be the six accounts that everyone needs. They are going to be checking accounts, savings accounts, investment accounts. I'm going to go the full gamut here so that you have a good picture of all the places your money needs to go so that it not only takes care of your present day needs, but it also takes care of your short-term future you needs and your long-term future you needs. So this is the comprehensive account system that if you haven't already, you can actually learn more about in my money management system, which I call money mapping. I have a free training. So if you haven't already, you can actually go to holistic-money.com forward slash money mapping, and you can get this training so you can actually learn the step-by-step process not only on which accounts you need, but how to set up this money map and how much to put in each. So without further ado, let's get started. The first account that everyone needs is a bills account, and this account pays your bills. It's very helpful to split up your bills account from your spending accounts, just so you can have awareness on how much money you actually have to spend versus having everything combined in one account and having some bills coming out, and then some spending coming out. This really allows you to see exactly how much money you have for spending and exactly how much money you have for bills. Now, the way that I like to operate in my bills account is I like to make sure the only thing I put in this bills account are my fixed reoccurring expenses that I can automatically pay that are the same price every month. I'm going to say that again, because this is where a lot of people get unnecessarily tripped up in this system is they have their own definition of bills. They're like, oh, is bills an essential expense or a non-essential expense? Is it necessary or not? Because that's how I determine what a bill is or isn't. No, that's not how we determine a bill in the context of this multiple account structure. A bill is simply a fixed reoccurring expense that's the same amount every single month that you can automatically pay. Because the goal of this bills account is you want it to be an automated account that you never touch. You just add up those fixed reoccurring expenses. You know exactly how much they are and you deposit that amount of money every single month into this bills account. Then this account is on auto pay. It automatically gets fills up and it automatically gets spent down. So you don't have to manage it. So for those of you that are overwhelmed by this multiple account structure, Good news. The first account I'm telling you about, you don't even have to manage. The second account that you all need is what I call a habits account, and it's essentially just a spending account. So this is the account that you spend out of every single month. You can use this account to do one of two things. This account can pay off your credit card. So for those of you that like to 
spend your daily spending on credit cards because you like the points, then the way that I suggest you use this account is it's a checking account that you literally use to pay off your credit card. And you will know specifically how much money you want to be spending on your credit card based on the amount of money that you choose to go in your spending account. So it's a really great accountability system for you to say, hey, I have $2,000 in my spending account, which means that my goal spend for my daily spending on my credit card is $2,000. And the moment I decide to spend more in my credit card, I spend $6,000, I spend $12,000. That is when I know I'm going to have to pull from another one of the six accounts that I'm going to tell you about to actually pay that credit card off. And there are some times, y'all, that I 100% overspend on my credit card and end up needing to pull from my emergency fund or from my travel fund or from some other fund to end up paying off my credit card. But mostly, I try to stay within the amount of money that I have assigned in my habits account to pay off my credit card. Now, if you're someone that uses credit cards and you're running a balance and you're constantly paying them off every single month, then my suggestion for you is to simply stop using those credit cards and just use this checking account, this spending account, as a regular old debit card. And what I mean by that is you will put an amount of money that you can spend in the spending account, and then as the month goes by, you're just going to spend directly down the money in that account by using your debit card. So you won't even have your credit card as a part of your spending. So your bills account, that's also a checking account, that pays your bills. The second account is your spending account, or what I also like to call a habits account, same thing. This is where you spend from. You can either use a debit card and spend this account directly down, or you can pay off your credit card with the amount of money in this habits account. Your minimum debt payments, they need to be coming out of your bills account. That is a bill that you have every month, right? If you decide you're going to pay over the minimum payment, so you're going to make an additional debt payment on a credit card or even on a student loan or on your mortgage or whatever, that also needs to be accounted for in your bills account. So that is it, y'all. That is all for the checking accounts that you need to have. However, if you're partnered or married and you are merging your money with someone else, there are actually two additional checking accounts that I recommend you have. If you want to know what these checking accounts are, go and download my money map training. I go over that in my training. Or you can also consider joining the Holistic Money Program, which is opening for enrollment again in June. This is where I lay out, remember, my step-by-step process that really dives deep into these accounts, how to use them, how to manage them very simply and very easily, and also teaches you the mindset to actually execute this month over month. Because y'all, you know that I believe your mindset is the most important asset that you have on your wealth building journey. Okay, let's go to account number three. The third account everyone needs is an emergency fund, and this is a savings account. I want you to make sure this is a savings account at a high yield interest savings bank. That is not a Wells Fargo, a Bank of America, any large national banks. They do not offer high yield savings accounts. You're going to have to go to an online bank in order to find a high-yield savings account. Don't worry. These banks are FDI insured, just like national banks are. However, since they have a smaller overhead, they don't have branch locations. They save a lot of money, and they're able to save you money on fees and pay a higher interest rate. So third account is this emergency fund, and we want to make sure that it's in a high-yield savings account. 
Let me tell y'all how to use your emergency fund, even though it may sound really obvious. I want to tell you because I have noticed some of y'all end up building these emergency funds. And then when you have a real emergency, you don't let yourself actually spend money in your emergency fund. You have to remember your emergency fund is there for your emergencies. It's your money. It's okay to use it when you need it. Here are the four ways to use your emergency fund. Number one is for loss of income. I like to think of my emergency fund as a nice padding in the event that Craig were to get laid off from work or that I have a slow couple months at work and I'm not able to pay myself. That can absolutely happen. It is a protection of loss of income so we can always pay our bills and our fixed lifestyle expenses. Another way you want to use your emergency fund is if you have a home emergency. So think your water heater goes out, your roof goes out, you have a tree fall over on your house. That really happened for us. Another is an auto emergency. So anytime you have to replace your transmission or get a new tire or fix any part of your car or even car maintenance, I always pay that out of my emergency fund. The last is a health emergency. So this is when you have a high copay at a doctor's office or an unexpected bill. It could even be a vet bill. It doesn't necessarily have to be your personal health. It can be any unexpected expenses related to health for your emergency fund. So the four ways that I traditionally use emergency funds are for loss of income protection or a home, auto, or health emergency. And you want to give yourself full permission to use your emergency fund when these things come up because that's exactly what it's for. The fourth account that you need is a travel savings account. And this is literally where you save for your travel expenses. And then also this is where you pay for your travel expenses. The way I use my travel account is I put in $1,200 every single month into my travel account and I use it to pay for my travel expenses. Now, a lot of us just like to book trips and make travel decisions as they come up for ourselves. However, this is a new way to plan travel because you are making decisions not only on the whim of what you want to do in the moment, but you're actually looking at your money and having a conversation with your money to really decide, hey, if I want to put $1,200 a month into my travel account, for example, what are the things that I really want to do? That's around $12,000 a year, $13,000 a year. What trips do I want to take? What do I want to make sure that I can do this year? How do I really want to use this money to maximize my travel itches and get the most out of my travel? Now, some people, when I tell them, yeah, you need to have a travel savings, they look at me like I have two heads and they're like, what do you mean I need to have a travel savings? I don't have enough money to put in my travel savings. However, what I find really fascinating about that is that the people that are telling me that are the people that are still traveling. So if you're still traveling, you have money to put into a travel savings account. This is a mindset issue. This is the fact that you haven't really looked at your money and said, I want it to go in these three places, travel being one of them. And let me be proactive on how much money that I'm putting into my travel savings account to make sure I actually have cash for my trips. So I love my travel savings account. I think you all need one. I think it needs to be a part of your monthly plan so that you're saving for those travel expenses before they come up. And if you do decide that you want to put your travel expenses on a credit card, which I know a lot of you do, I do, I just pay off the travel expenses on my credit card directly from my travel savings account. All right, y'all, that is it for your savings accounts. Now, some of you may have extra savings goals that you want to make sure that you have an account for. 
If that's the case, then you can open up as many savings accounts as you want. I know me personally, I have five different savings accounts. One thing that I want to address is a lot of you have questions about fees that come up in the event that you have all of these different accounts opened up. And here's what I want to tell you. If you bank at an online bank, like I said, not a Wells Fargo, a Bank of America, not a Chase, those banks will charge you per account or have a minimum account limit. But if you bank at an online bank like Ally Bank, where I bank, for example, you can have multiple accounts at zero charge. Now let's move into account number five, which are your investment accounts. The fifth account that everyone needs is a retirement account. Your retirement account is a long-term investment account that you can start to use after age 59 and a half. The reason why we like to put money in retirement accounts is simply because the government said, hey, listen, if you don't save for your retirement, we're going to have to pay for your retirement. So we'd like to incentivize you to save for your retirement by giving you tax savings on the money that you put into these retirement accounts over the long term so that you have more money available to you to pay for your life until essentially until you die. But there's a caveat. They say, look, if you put that money in and you take it out before you're age 59 and a half, we're going to penalize you because we are giving you these advantages, these tax advantages on this money. If you take it out and use it, you're going to have to pay a 10% penalty and you're going to have to pay the taxes. So a lot of people like to put money in retirement accounts because it helps reduce their tax liability today, unless you are investing in a Roth or an after-tax retirement account, in which case you will actually pay your taxes today on the money. And when you take the money out in the future, your income is going to be tax-free from your investment accounts. So there are basically two kinds of retirement accounts that you can invest in. You can invest in a traditional or a Roth. And I'm going to do an episode specifically on helping y'all decide whether a Roth or a traditional is best for you. But for the purposes of this podcast today, I just want you to know one of the accounts that you need is a retirement account. And it could be a 401k, an IRA, a SEP IRA. It could be a 403b, depending upon if you work at the government or a nonprofit. It doesn't matter. It just needs to be a long-term tax advantage retirement account that you can use to save for years 59 and a half to whenever you leave the planet. The sixth and final account that you all need is an after-tax investment account. So this is an investment account that is not a retirement account. It is very common for us to learn about retirement savings very early in our adult lives, whether we hear them through our parents or we hear them through the company that we're working at. We get incentivized to invest in our retirement accounts by employers offering employer matches, but we hear a lot less information about just investing in plain old investment accounts. An investment account is money that you're going to use for your midterm life expenses. So remember, the first two accounts were your bills and your habits account. Those accounts are used for present day expenses. The second two accounts that you heard about are your savings accounts. Those are the short term future you expenses. So that's your emergency fund, that's your travel fund, and any other short term future you goal that you may have. Now we're starting to get into your investment accounts and we've identified your long-term investment account, which is your retirement account, but there's a gap. 
This is called your midterm investment account. This is for years five to 15, or until you start to get closer to that retirement age, where you can start to save your money for those midterm expenses that you may have. Now you don't wanna keep this money in cash necessarily, simply because you can get a higher return when you're investing it in the market. So that's why these after-tax investment accounts can be really cool accounts. I like to call them freedom funds for all of us to invest in. I like to invest at least 5% of my income in an after-tax freedom fund every single month. Unlike your retirement accounts, your after-tax brokerage accounts do not give you any tax advantages when you invest money in these accounts. That means you put after-tax money into these accounts, you invest it, the money grows. Any income that you make on the growth of that investment portfolio, you actually will pay what is called short or long-term capital gains tax on that investment growth depending upon how long the money has been invested in these accounts. However, the good thing about these accounts is that, like I said, it's another way to save for those midterm expenses and start to get more money invested, more money growing for your freedom fund. So not a lot of people will actually talk about having this kind of investment account. But what happens is if you're only investing in retirement accounts and you end up wanting to buy a home or you end up having a midterm expense come up that you want money for, a lot of you just end up taking money as a distribution out of your retirement accounts and you pay a penalty on that money. Instead of putting so much money into those retirement accounts and then having to take a distribution out when you need money for your life, you could put less money into your retirement accounts and start to put money into these after-tax accounts and take it out without paying any penalties on the money. So that's why I love to make sure that everyone has this after-tax investment account set up and you're investing and you're contributing to so you can really have that freedom fund. All right, y'all, that is it. Those are the six accounts that I recommend you all have. If you have any questions on how to distribute your money between these different accounts, please sign up for my Money Map training. It gives you an overview or you can sign up for the Holistic Money Program. If you loved this episode, I want you to please consider leaving me a review, telling me what you loved about it. I've said this before, I'll say it again. I love when y'all leave me reviews. So fun to read them and it just feels so good. And it really helps me as a business owner get my podcast out to more people. Another thing that you can do is you can share this podcast with a friend, someone who you think can benefit from learning the holistic money approach to building wealth. All right, y'all have a great week and I will see you in the next episode. Have you ever built a budget, but within weeks felt exhausted by the spreadsheets, the upkeep, or the restrictive spending categories? If so, you are not alone. Budgeting has never worked for me, so I created a new way, money mapping. Money mapping has all of the things you need to be successful in your wealth building journey. It's simple, organized, and automated, but most importantly, it offers a completely new way to relate to money and manage it in your life. If you're ready to kick off your no budget strategy for building wealth, sign up for my free money map training at www.holistic-money.com forward slash money map. Here's to building wealth with ease.